reading from the fifth chapter of the, the, the letter to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians. I'm going to start that over. Reading from the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, beginning with verse 6. So we are always confident, even though we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we do have confidence, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others, but we ourselves are well known to God, and I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast in outward appearance and not in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know Him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You might remember from last week that Paul and his companions have been through some pretty rough stuff. They've been beaten down, but they haven't quit. They've been tortured, but they haven't whined. They've been all kinds of horrible things happen to them, but they've pressed on. And for one reason only, he says, because Christ has died for all. Do you hear that? They're spurred, by their, they're spurred on by their knowledge of the truth that Jesus has died and been raised for all people. And that salvation is available to anyone who will turn to Christ. Deliverance from anything and all things is available to anyone who will humble themselves and let go of their desire to save themselves and instead cling to Jesus and allow Him to touch them and set them free and no longer be the same. That is what is behind this message this morning. And what he says to us is that therefore we no longer look at people from a worldly, from a human point of view. Oh, people, we got some human point of view on display in our nation these days, don't we? 
Everybody mad at everybody. People mad at me because I'm white. People mad at my black brother William because he's black. People mad at everybody because of this and because of that. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick of it because the only identity that matters is whether or not you are in Jesus. Ultimately, all of this will pass away. And all of our squabbling and fussing and cussing and yelling and calling each other names and beating each other down for whether we're Republican or Democrat, whether we're Jewish or Christian, whether we're whatever. Paul says all of that is tripe and going away. You better hold on to the one thing that matters, that Jesus died for all and was raised for all. And be prepared to press on in faith no matter what comes. Because that message needs to be heard. And he says, therefore, we no longer look at people from a worldly point of view. We no longer look at someone and say, we don't need her. We don't need him. Everyone has been transformed in Paul's view because of what Jesus has done. Or maybe we might better say, Paul and his companions had experienced having their vision changed. Let's talk about butterflies. You want to? Y'all like butterflies? Just show hands. Anybody don't like butterflies? Man, I'm glad nobody raised their hand. You don't like butterflies. You're a horrible person. <laughs> I did some studying on butterflies. You know, Googled them. Google is a wonderful tool. I learned some things about butterflies I'm going to share with you. I wrote them down because my brain ain't working like it used to. It's a life cycle of a monarch butterfly. The adult monarch, that's what's pictured up there, it lays one egg on the underside of a leaf of a milkweed plant. The egg's about the size of a period at the end of a sentence. The egg hatches into a larva, not a caterpillar. I mean, I was just irritated with that because my whole life I've been calling them caterpillars. Right? My little girl used to call them calipitters, which I thought was the most fabulous thing ever. But apparently it's a larva. Y'all okay with calling them caterpillars? I like that better. So the caterpillar can't see. He's blind. Just about blind as a bat. He can't see much at all. His eyes are little tiny things. And he just kind of wanders around on that plant and eats the plant up. Eats it and eats it and eats it. And he grows. And he's got five skins. Get this. And every last one of them is a little bit bigger than the one before. So he just keeps getting bigger and he sheds his skin like a snake. That's creepy, isn't it? On the milkweed plant. And so he keeps growing and eating and growing and eating. It's kind of like me if I go to the Chinese buffet too much. Go ahead and get a new shirt. And so that's the way it happens for him. He keeps eating that milkweed plant and growing and getting fatter and bigger and longer and longer and longer. And he thinks that's the way his life's always going to be, right? It's just him on the milkweed plant. He's all there by himself. Remember one egg on the milkweed plant. He thinks he's the only person in the whole world and as long as he's getting his and he's getting fatter, dumb, and happier, he doesn't matter what's happening to everybody else. So he just keeps eating away and eating away and eating away and eating away and shedding skin, shedding skin, shedding skin until he gets to that last skin and then there's trouble. Because the last skin is a coffin. He's about to die to what he's always been. The last skin... Let me, get, let me tell you what it's called. I've got to look on my sheet here. It's a chrysalis. You ever heard that word before? And he becomes what's called a pupa or something like that. He's dead. All the little kids come by and poke at Mommy, is the worm dead? Right? They used to be on the cedar trees, those moths around here in York County. Y'all seen them, them things look like a, like a, a tear, teardrop with hair on them? 
See those moths hanging on cedar trees? Bobby knows what I'm talking about. The rest of y'all haven't been paying attention. And you see those things, and what that is, is that little worm has just kind of like his last skin. He looks dead in it. And he's in there for, I don't remember how long. He's in there for a little minute. A couple weeks, I think it was. And he transforms in there. He metamorphosizes into that thing. Which is beautiful, right? A monarch butterfly. And get this, his vision gets better. His eyes are changed. He, doesn't know, he no longer has just like two little tiny eyes that are like the size of a pen. But uh, listen to this. They have something called omnivision after they're a butterfly. They, don't have, they have one eye that's made up of thousands of eyes and they can see every single direction and it's not like video-like or, you know, it's like still shots. And they see every direction at the same time. They see everything for what it is at the same time. Their eyesight is dramatically changed. Dramatically changed. It went from being a blind little thing that was just out there by itself, eating its milkweed, living its life, getting fat, dumb, and happy, to being something that's beautiful and can see all things and gets to fly around and be in community and all that stuff with other butterflies and find a mate and flourish. Most important word there being flourish. Christians have long used butterflies as a symbol of the resurrection. When I read Paul talking today about all the hardship they had faced, how they had pressed on because of the message of Jesus, that Jesus had died for all, and therefore life was available for all, and He was raised. And He said, therefore, we no longer look at a person and look at them from a worldly view, but rather we look at them basically as one for whom Jesus has died, and we look at them and we know that if any person is in Christ, that person is a new creation. They've gone from being a nasty little worm to a butterfly. And so the church adopted the butterfly as a symbol of resurrection, not of your one-day future moment when your body's going to come bursting from the ground when Jesus calls it out, but for the resurrection that occurs in us as we come to faith in Christ. We are transformed from being whatever worm we were before into something more beautiful than we can ever imagine. And if you're sitting here today and you feel like, Preacher, I ain't there yet, you might be holding yourself back because I promise you Jesus ain't holding you back. The change that God wants to make in you is waiting for you. You've got to be willing to crawl out of your old skin. Do you hear me, church? It's a hard thing to let go of that outer shell that we've built for ourselves. It's a hard thing to gnaw through our own skin and come out the other side and be the person that God has called us to be. It isn't easy. I've watched someone go through this process in the last year and constantly she's been beset with, why don't you do this anymore? Why don't you go here anymore? It's a hard thing. But what God has in store for you to be is as different as that butterfly is from that little green and yellow worm that was eating the milkweed plant. 
So the church has used this symbol to remind ourselves that Jesus is doing something amazing in people who have faith in him. Because God knows our hearts, Jesus said. Remember when he was fussing with the Pharisees and he told them you can't love God and money, you can't serve both at the same time? And they got all grumbly and mad and he said, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of others. But God knows your hearts. Dear one, God knows the things that we're clinging to. God knows the things that we don't want other people to know about us, but He's calling us out of that shell of death anyway. There's nothing you have done that is hidden to God. There's no sin that you have thought, said, spoken, or done, whether yesterday or a million days ago, that isn't known to God your Father, and He loves you anyway and wants to draw you out of that last skin that you're clinging to so that you can be born again and be something new and beautiful and different than anything you've ever imagined you could be. A person remade in the image of Jesus. Not in the image of your parents, your grandparents, your friends, your siblings, your cousins, your haters, or your enemies, but of the one who died for you and was raised for you. So Paul says, you must get rid of all things of that skin that holds you. It looks like this. It looks like anger. It looks like wrath. It looks like malice and slander. It looks like using abusive language toward others. Calling people names. It looks like lying to each other. And Paul says we must strip that off of us because we've been clothed with a new self. This is in Colossians 3, by the way, if you want to check me when you get home. We've been clothed with a new self. If you are in Christ, if you have faith in Christ, if you are baptized into Christ, then the old self has been stripped of you. That last skin that wants to hold you back in sin and death has been ripped from you. And you are emerging to be something beautiful and wonderful. And so Paul says in that renewal, there's no longer Greek and Jews, circumcised and uncircumcised. They're no longer barbarians and Scythians, slaves or free people. There is but Christ because Christ is all and in all. And if we are baptized into Christ and have faith in Christ, then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, he says, we are clothed with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with meekness, with patience so that we can bear with one another, forgive each other. And we are being clothed with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's who we can be in Christ. Compassionate, kind, loving people who make the world a brighter place in the same way that a butterfly makes your yard sparkle. I mean, honestly, you throw 10 monarch butterflies in a parking lot at Walmart, people will stop and take pictures. Right? Throw 10 born-again Christians who love Jesus 
in the midst of a parking lot, people will stop. Dear ones, there's an offer before us to be something different. If you are in Christ, Paul says, you are a new creation. You are a new creation. Everything that was old in you has passed away and the new has come. Embrace that. Don't be afraid of it. Live it openly. Be brave about your faith in the God you love. The butterfly is given to us as a symbol of the change that God is working in us. And it's given to us as a reminder that one of the best things that happens to us when we come to faith in Jesus Christ is our vision gets changed. We no longer see people as inconveniences. We no longer see people as trash. We're no longer allowed to see a person and dismiss them because of their skin color, their ethnicity, or the shoes they wear, the house they live in, or the house they don't live in. We're no longer allowed to dismiss the needs of anyone because our vision is being purified so that we can serve all people in the same way that Paul talks about serving those who needed to hear the Word of Christ. Just like the worm went from nearly blind and the butterfly can see all directions at one time, the believer in Christ's vision is being changed so that you can see the world as Jesus sees the world. And follow in Paul's steps and be unashamed of Jesus. So two things today, dear ones. If you're still clinging to that old skin, you don't have to. You can let go and be transformed and changed. You don't have to be who you were yesterday. Starting right now, you can be somebody new. Put your trust in Jesus. He will save you from whatever is harming you from whatever is breaking your soul. And secondly, dear one, He will change your vision and allow you to see other people's struggles and love them. That's what God has in store for us. And it's more beautiful than anything the world can offer. And I promise you, if you will yield to it, you will never ever be disappointed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.